Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, my name is Christopher Price, the Boston Globe. Welcome back to another edition of the Patriots Report. Today we're joined by Nicole Yang, a colleague of mine from the Globe. Nicole, let's jump right into this here. This past season, it's a bit of a wild ride for this team. A win streak, a rookie quarterback who, in my experience, outperformed expectations in a late season slide, first round exit in the playoffs. Give me a 10,000 foot big picture assessment from your perspective how this season played out. What are you going to remember the most about the 2021 Patriots? So I think you definitely have to be encouraged by Mac Jones, as you said, and the offense as a whole, I think showed some promising, some reasons to feel encouraged for the future. Like Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, I think will be a great tandem moving forward. Jacoby Myers is all reliable and Hunter Henry and Mac Jones seem to be having a promising connection. So there's a lot of reasons to be encouraged by the offense, despite maybe underwhelming performances from John U. Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Nikhil Harry, obviously, but the defensive collapse, I think is probably and like that five game skid at the end is probably what people are going to remember it by, unfortunately, because the Patriots were in the driver's seat for that number one seed. And then it just all came crashing down. And by the end of it, the Patriots looked slow and they couldn't, they were like front runners. They couldn't come from behind. And not only did Josh Allen play one game where they never punted, where the bills never punted, then they follow that up with the game where they score a touchdown on every single drive. I just, I think that's, probably what's going to stick in people's minds a little bit more than the seven game win streak. The it, only it, thing I said would, that would trump that is just max emergence and just mm-hmm. how encouraged people could feel by that. I'm glad you bring up Buffalo because I think right now they are a true measuring stick for the Patriots. We saw that game in December where New England went up there. They won that wild game in the snow and the cold and the wind. And at that point, it looked like Buffalo and New England were, were one in 1A, at the very least in the AFC East. But now, especially after Sunday night, it's clear that there's some distance between the two franchises. What specifically in your mind do the Patriots have to do when it comes to Buffalo, not just across the league, but when it comes to Buffalo to close that gap between the two teams? Yeah, you would think that they would need to, you know, get faster on defense for sure. Like, especially in that last game, like nobody could stop Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, like even I I know you said Buffalo specifically, but like the Patriots run defense was even allowing hundred yard games from Duke Johnson, like Philip Lindsay, not hundred yards from Philip Lindsay, but like that tandem went off for, I think it was like 170. Like the Titans went racked up to 70 without, Derrick Henry. So they definitely need to get faster and um, just like be, have better fundamentals when it comes to like open field tackling. But I, I think with Josh Allen, it's hard. Cause you're like, okay, do you reinforce the defense to try and stop their offense? But then it's like, what about your offense? Can you go toe to toe with an offense like that? And then you look at Sunday night's game, Buffalo has the number one ranked defense in the league and Kansas City scores 42. So it's, I don't know the answer. And I think that's going to be a, a tough question for them. 
From your perspective, what happened to the Patriots after the bye? There was conversation about Mac maybe hitting the rookie wall, that opposing teams had kind of started to figure him out a little bit. There were some defensive issues you touched on before, but otherwise important guys like Kyle Duggar and Matthew Judon. What was it that caused them to go from that really dramatic win streak to losing four of their last five, including the playoff? I think health definitely has something to do with it. Matthew Judon was battling that ribs injury. I mean, Kyle Duggar played the playoff game with like a club on his hand, but Jacoby Myers had a really interesting answer when asked about the difference. And he said that like the team just couldn't supply its own energy um, essentially. And he was saying that heading into the bye, they were riding a lot of momentum and they were feeling really good about themselves, obviously. And then after the bye, just when things started to go south, they never were really able to like manufacture that positivity and confidence themselves. And so it's really hard because we haven't been in the locker room for two seasons and there have been a lot of new faces. So it's difficult to get a gauge really of what was going on. But I do wonder what the state of like leadership is and things like that. Obviously, Devin McCourty, Matthew Slater, Donta Hightower, all still there. And they were there for the Super Bowl runs and like can establish that culture. But to me, like Jacoby's answer seems to reflect more on sort of the intangibles there and just like the state of the team. I definitely think injuries were a factor, but I don't think you can sort of overlook that element too. The idea of early energy, specifically on the road, I think there's really something to that because that was one of those characteristics, at least in my experience, that played out down the stretch. The, the Colts game, they fell behind early. Uh, you know, even the, the Bills game here, they fell behind early. Miami was the same story. They had to kind of fight their way out of that hole. And I think it was too much to put on, maybe too much to put on the shoulders of Mac at this stage of his career, because I don't think he's that quarterback quite yet that you dig yourself a 14 nothing deficit, you know, at the end of the first quarter, even against a team like the Dolphins, it's going to be a challenge to try and get out of that, to try and get out of that hole. Definitely. And in terms of the rookie wall, sure, there are moments when his performance dipped, but I, I still think like he it's hard to take a moral victory, but in the Colts game, he did sort of mount a little bit of a comeback. There were bad mistakes for sure in that five game stretch, but there were still moments where I think you have to be encouraged by Matt. One of the things that that was interesting for me and was, was raised when I've talked to a couple of different people about this, that, that Mac is like the rookie pitcher to kind of use that baseball analogy where he went through the lineup the first time, looked very impressive, enjoyed a level of success And then down the stretch, there were teams that were able to kind of make a few adjustments and maybe defend him in a slightly different way, not an overly different way, but a slightly different way. I'm going to be fascinated to see if he's going to be able to make those adjustments, those corresponding adjustments going into year two. Do you think he has that in him? Definitely. And just in talking to anybody that has worked with Mac, like throughout high school and college, that is one of his strengths is that he has plenty of personal trainers and like personal quarterback coaches that he consults. And this schedule was very expedited for a ro- like a starting rookie quarterback. So now he has a full off season to rest and recover. This season was also very extended compared to his college season. So he has, I think, plenty of time to 
put in the work and all of his teammates say like he loves football like so much like that's I feel like the only thing we know about him is just how much he loves football so I, I definitely think he has that um capability and I think one of his strengths is probably like the cerebral side and just his ability to process and things like that so I I I would say that Mac is like I know quarterback play has been a subject of hot debate with seeing how Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have been playing I'm not saying Mac's anywhere near there but I would say just after a first season I don't know if he's um like at the top of my list in terms of concerns for the Mm -hmm. Patriots I think the thing that Patriots fans specific to the quarterback position can take away from this season is the fact that Mac was out there for all 16 games and got that trial by fire, as opposed to, you know, he was on and off the bench. He had to, you know, battle with Cam for a quarterback. The the fact that he was the clear number one and kind of went through that, I believe we're going to see that payoff a year or two down the road. That's going to be manifested in things like being able to put more on his shoulders in year two, year three. The, the, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the phrase expedited because I think it's going to be an expedited process with him moving forward. So it, it is, it's going to be fascinating to see how he kind of all comes, how he kind of really starts to put it together. Um, I, I want to get your choice for, and I've had a bunch of different takes on this from a bunch of different people, um, your choice for both team MVP and rookie of the year for 2021 specific to New England. I mean, for rookie of the year, it's hard not to say Mac, but for for purposes of the exercise, I'll say Ramondre Stevenson. I think okay. he really turned it around, and I think the like the duo of Stevenson and Harris can be probably one of the best in the league. And just the fact that from I think through like the first six weeks, it seemed like we weren't going to see him again, and then due to circumstances and injuries, like he had to come back. And I think he showed that he's like going to be a, a really strong, powerful back. Mm-hmm. Obviously Christian Barmore is also up there. Like the, the Patriots should feel encouraged by that trio, like that draft class. I think Ramondre Mack and Christian all could, I guess that could be like offensive and defensive. Rookie there you go. Of the year no, that. That, made, that makes sense. Let's, let's call it the rookie of the year, non Mac Jones division. So, so we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll split it between Barmore and Stevenson. I'm, I'm glad you bring up the running backs. And I want to get your choice for team MVP here in a second, but I'm glad you bring up the running backs. I want to see this running backs room with maybe another year or two of James white in that group, because I think you had some guys specifically Brandon Bolden, who maybe had to do a little bit more than they expected to do. Not saying he couldn't handle it, but a dynamic performer like James White added to that mix, I think would be an awful lot of fun to see. I totally agree. I think that was one of the underrated losses um, for Mac is that security blanket really. And also just his leadership. And he's just one of the best pass catching backs in the league. Like, of course, that's going to be a big hit for the team. All right. Um, Give me your team MVP. So that's a tough one. I think like through the buy, Matt Judon was probably the natural choice, but now I like Nick Folk might be in contention just because of his um, reliability and consistency there. Mm-hmm. He was the leading scorer um, in the league for a little bit, like had the most field goal attempts in the league, hit a bunch of his incentives. So He's definitely up there, especially given his age, like about to turn 37, was out of the league for a little bit. And then I would also put Jacoby Myers in there. Like, you know, he's not the flashiest of guys, but 
I think this was his first year where he really had a featured role. Like last year, he was still the team's leading receiver, but he didn't really play much until I think it was week nine. And so after this season, he did say like conditioning is going to be one of his focuses this off season, because now he understands like the demands of a 17 game season and what that requires. But he had some great third down catches and withstood some very tough hits in my opinion. And so I think um, even though the people say that like the Patriots don't have, you know, that traditional slot receiver, like they did in Julian Edelman, they obviously don't have like a traditional number one receiver, but Jacoby Myers still deserves a lot of credit and just how reliable he is, even though just he can't so find dependent. the end zone. But yeah, just, exactly. Just so dependable, just it just time and again. And, and I know that the bar in New England traditionally has been set very high in instances like that when it comes to catch percentage with guys like Amendola and Edelman and you know others over the years. But it just seemed every time this year where they needed to get a key first down, it was either him or Hunter Henry. And, and to see his career arc where he came from in, in the level of importance now he has in that offense, I, I think I agree with you. I think they're going to need to go out and maybe get a number one, get a big flashy you know, a, 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 someone who could take the top off the defense, but I, I don't think that will minimize his impact overall. And, and, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about, Mac, before in that year where he's been able to develop a rapport with guys like Jacoby Myers, guys like Kendrick Bourne, guys like Hunter Henry, and, and maybe kind of accelerate the process a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. The, the, the other one I would have had maybe on the defensive side of the ball as part of the team MVP conversation is J.C. Jackson. Yeah, that that's totally fair. Um, I think everyone is a little concerned with the state of the secondary, rightfully so, after the Stephon Gilmore trade. And JC lived up to expectations up until maybe the last playoff game. I think he slipped a little bit there, but um, throughout the regular season, for sure. If you're Bill, what's your off-season priority? And I say I ask that with the understanding that look, things can change week to week day-to-day, the franchise tag, free agency, the draft, all of those things are part of this conversation, obviously. But but what's your first priority when you're talking about a personnel perspective when you look up and down this roster? I think they have to nail their draft picks. And so they have six picks, one first rounder at 21. And I was listening to the episode with Miguel and they don't have a lot of room to work with salary cap wise. So think hitting on the draft picks is really important. I'd say like obviously linebacker, cornerback, wide receiver are positions of need. Cornerback and wide receiver, that probably doesn't instill much confidence in Patriot fans knowing that they have to hit on those positions given the team's history. But I I just think that at this point, unless something changes drastically with their salary cap and Miguel laid out various ways that they could create more room, but given the current state, I think those picks are going to become important. And they showed that this past year, like three members of the 2020 class were contributors. And so I guess you could extend it into just player development as a whole. Like, can we see more of Josh Uche? Where's Cameron McGrone and Jennings? Like just, the younger players are going to have to start to play more featured roles. I'm glad you bring up the 2020 draft class too, because one of the most important things that I learned over the course of covering the league was the fact that if you can get in percentages are different, I understand that, but if you can get three starters 
out of a draft, then you're you're doing pretty well. And I think that you know the 2019 draft looks a little dicey right now. The 2020 draft, I think they're in very good shape moving forward. Now, obviously, those guys have to continue to develop. But again, if you're able to hit on those guys and you can get three more out of the 2021 draft, you obviously feel a little bit better about your player development situation than you know you did a couple of years ago. I, I, I want to play a round of will they stay or will they go, but from a coaching staff perspective. Um, I'm going to give you a name and you tell me if they're going to be here next year in New England or elsewhere. And you can add, you know, whatever backstory you want to each of them. Let's start with Josh McDaniels. As of right now, I will say he'll be here. I think maybe that could change if Dave Ziegler gets a job as a GM, because maybe then his priority would be getting Josh as a head coach. But I think he'll only leave for a head coaching position. And I, I just, I feel like he has to be selective. Like I think he enjoyed working with Mac Jones. And so I feel like he'll be selective with his um, next move. And we just haven't heard of any interviews. Mm -hmm. Like he hasn't officially received, I think a single request yet this year. And last, last cycle, I believe he only got the Eagles. So. um, I I think people are still going to be interested in him as a head coach, which still to me, I don't want to say it's remarkable given what happened in, in Indianapolis, but it just speaks to the fact that people can forget a little bit about, you know, and, and, and they see what he did with Mac Jones and the, they'll say, well, you know, okay, we can kind of make him fit here. I, for what it's worth, I agree with you. I think McDaniels ends up staying in New England, working with Mac Jones, at least for another year. Gerard Mayo. So that one is probably the one where um, if I had to pick somebody who would be leaving, it would be Gerard, just given um, how well he seems to be perceived across the league and rightfully so. Again, we haven't had like the type of communication that you typically could have in terms of getting to know a coach like that, but he's had three requests. And I think the fact that he isn't even a defensive coordinator, I do wonder whether after the, if he doesn't get a head coaching job after that dust settles and there's a defensive coordinator opening somewhere, whether he might even take that job if offered over staying as a positional coach in new England or whether that would spur bill to then promote him or something. I I'm curious to see if at the end of all of the coaching cycle, if he would end up as like a defensive coordinator too. I think he ends up staying. I think he eventually becomes a head coach in the league somewhere I'm going to be fascinated to see, though, I know he has a high level of respect for Brian Brian Flores. And if Flores ends up landing somewhere, New York, Chicago, whatever the case may be, if he puts in a call to Mayo to be the defensive coordinator and to see how all of that kind of plays out a little bit, because I know that Bill is always like, hey, great, go take another job. I'm a fan of, you know, climb on the ladder. I get all that, but don't take my guys out of the building. So... There's a whole nother conversation to be had on that point. Ivan fears. I think based on that clip that inside the NFL showed of him and Damian Harris, like, I just can't imagine that that conversation that they didn't know the situation. Like it really just seems like um, a very touching and endearing like conclusion to his career. And um, just the way that they were talking to each other, it's, it felt very, um, final in a way. So I imagine that he's retiring, but 
again, no conclusive signs yet. Other than I am, it, I am a fan of the, it look, I, I love Ivan fears, but if this is it for Ivan fears, and I wrote this for the point after newsletter last week, Kevin Falk is, seems to be the natural move if he wants that job, but I I'm with you. I think Ivan fears is gone. And I think the Patriots are moving on in that next chapter at the running back coach position. Last one, Cam Accord. So that's interesting. I think once Joe Judge got fired, there was some buzz created by like fans and media, like Patriots should consider bringing back Joe Judge, like even though his career as a head coach sort of went up in flames, he was perfectly fine as a special teams coordinator, better than fine in New England. So I think this year was definitely tough for the special teams unit, but Cam Accord also was the coordinator when they were the top unit. Um, in 2020, I believe. So it's hard to gauge. I would, when was the last time, like the Patriots, you would know better than I just straight up fired um, a coach. They, I I don't remember them ever firing a coach. They, they will let the coach's contract run out and not renew it. I'm trying to think of the last time that a guy was fired was just straight, like a coach was just straight up fired. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but, but again, the, you know, the, the process is usually, well, you know, he's been here for three years. His contract is up. We're just going to let him walk and we're going to make a change at the position. So maybe, you know, maybe that speaks to his, uh, you know, overall contractual situation. I I don't know, but I, I just, you, you bring up a really important part of this here is that, you know, he was there when they had the best special teams unit in the league. And so maybe Bill looks at that and says, okay, look, it's a one-off thing. Levin Reed had a very interesting perspective on this. He believes that Matthew Slater retires this off season and would start the process of eventually becoming the special teams coordinator sooner rather than later, maybe not necessarily this off season, but Slater joins the coaching staff, maybe in a role that Troy Brown, the same sort of role that Troy Brown had a couple of years ago. I I just, for me, as a longtime observer of this team, to see the special teams unit perform so poorly over the course of a full season is, you know, it's almost jarring. Yeah, it, it was definitely bad. I, I just, I don't know if, it, I, it, I think it depends on Cam's contract situation because I don't know, I just don't know if Bill would just straight up fire him mm-hmm. um, after a seat, like, back-to-back seasons when they're number one. And then, then I think they were like 18, I want to say this past year. So, but I, I don't know about Matthew. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense, but I wonder if he just sort of steps away a little bit more from the actual game of football. And if he does return to the sport, it's more in um like a development capacity, less so in like a X's and O's, like he's, his faith is just so important to him. I could yeah. see him that more of a priority than the the grind of like coaching on a daily basis becoming the next jack easterby yeah exactly though becoming a character coach becoming a guy who players can lean on in the locker room i know he's very very active within the within the nflpa having him around the team i think in some sort of capacity moving forward if he does decide to retire i think that should be one of the priorities that the franchise addresses this off season. Um, last question for me here, Nicole, a few things to look for in the coming weeks, including the franchise tag window, um, which is, I believe, February 22nd through March 8th. 
one of the what are the chances in your perspective from your perspective that the Patriots tag one of their free agents possibly JC Jackson that's been the one that's come up time and again I believe that would be in the range of about 17.3 million what do you think I think that that's probably where we're headed I can't imagine that they're going to negotiate a hefty deal with him like a multi-year high price tag deal just yet so I I think the franchise the franchise tag just makes the most sense. Um, whether they keep him or trade him, who knows? Like we could, it doesn't mean he's staying necessarily, but uh, I definitely think that they will. I think that that's where we're headed here. I don't think he'll just straight up walk, but we'll see. One more question. One more question for me. I, I, I want to ask specifically about two of my all-time favorites, Dante Hightower, Devin McCourty. I know that they're both unrestricted free agents both guys champions both guys absolutely pillars absolutely vital to what they want to get done for so many years on the defensive side of the ball are are we going to open up the 2022 season with those guys elsewhere or are they going to be back in New England so with Devin I think the chances of him coming back are higher I think his drop off in play wasn't nearly as drastic. Um, I think even he said on his podcast that based on all the measurements that the strength and conditioning staff takes, like he's still right there and like healthy and able to compete. And there's been very little dip. And I just think he's so important to the team, both as a leader, but then in their defense. And Bill said it himself. They have a really nice three-man rotation going with Devin, Kyle Duggar, and Adrian Phillips. Adrian Phillips just signed his extension. Kyle Duggar is obviously still under contract. Duggar has spoken about how influential Devin has been. So I don't think there's been much of a drop-off in terms of his play. And also he just is so reliable. Like he's almost an iron man every year. So I think if he wants to come back, um, I think Bill will welcome him and his. So I think Jason though, has said that his twin, that he is confirmed retiring after this year. So I also wonder if it's like, okay, Jason entered the league one year earlier. I'll play one last year. We'll finish with the same amount of years, that type of thing. But I could see him being back with Hightower. I think the drop-off was a little bit um, more significant and he was away from football for a year. So I'm sure that contributed to it too. So I don't know, maybe if he signs back on a team friendly deal, Bill will be down for the same reasons like leadership and he'll just probably play less. I imagine in more of like a situational role, but that one, if I had to rank them, I would say the chances of Devin coming back are higher. Nicole, you've given us a lot to think about. Going into a very busy off season, it's, you know, the Patriots are never dull. That's one of the great things about covering this team. There is something to write about almost every single week, even in the depths of the offseason. And again, this offseason should be more eventful than most. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me this afternoon. Please let people know where they can read your stuff. Yeah, so you can go to bostonglobe.com slash sports and you can find all of our Patriots coverage there. Sounds great. Thank you so much again, Nicole. Take care and we'll talk again very, very soon. Thanks, Chris.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.